Licensing, intellectual property, commercial endorsements, um, you know, partnerships, franchise sort of uh, opportunities, keynote speeches, corporate appearances, uh, pretty much everything and anything you can think of that you, you know, see that celebrities are involved in nowadays. I can see uh, Sylvester Stallone on the wall back there. Uh, his picture, Rocky, is signed. Obviously, people, the first thing they're going to ask is, how do you get to work with such megastars like that? How did you get where you got to? Well, the, the funny thing is Stallone is not one of my guys. My boy, Nicky say Nick Cardasco is his business partner with the Sly Stallone shop. Um, Nick's one of my partners at, you know, here at the agency. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's very ironic. We all sort of came up uh, from the collectibles industry. Very untraditional. I get calls all the time and emails from 18, 19 year old kids or they're in sports management and they want to intern and be like me and be like, you know, some of uh, my buds that came up in a very untraditional way. And there was no sports management uh, courses in college or, or degrees. And we wound up uh, going from the baseball card business to booking autograph signings for people like Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Chevy Chase, Magic Johnson, Pamela Anderson. And when I got out of that business and I sold that company, my vision was to start the agency because my dad taught me that life is about who you know, not what you know. What was and I the, didn't need to whoa, 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 What was the name of the company you sold? Prince of Cards. Prince of Cards? Yeah, that was the name of my card company slash huh. memorabilia company. Huh. Small. Were you a collector? Well, this we're in a small world. You, uh, you know Steve Sipe? Steve Sipe. The name sounds familiar. Very familiar. You remember Global Authentication? Okay. Yep. I used yep. to I used to be one of the owners of Global Authentication. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, your your name sounded familiar to me. I did not know how to place it. But it's still I still haven't been able to place it. But what what were you doing in sports cards? I had a company in the early 1980s called Baseball Card City right around the time of the boom. And I eventually started uh, Prince of Cards in 1985. Uh, baseball was the only thing people cared about back then. Basketball, football, hockey meant nothing. And I started a mail order company when I was old and was traveling around the country running ads and sports collectors digest, and which was the Bible back then, and built up a pretty big business as a teenager that I eventually sold in 19. What year did you sell it? Uh, 1989. Oh, 89, right. Yeah, so this would have been, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't traverse the same crowds because the guys from Global Authentication came over from PSA mm -hmm. and, and they started a competing firm. And Steve was a marketing guy for Reggie Jackson, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. That's where I know the name from. Yeah. That's where I know the name from. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, in 89, you know, Steve was one of my best friends. And so I got to know the business enough with, you remember Richard McWilliam? Of course, Upper Deck. I was at his office with Magic several times. Right. So, so Steve worked for McWilliam, right? And then there was Bill Dully. Yeah. 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 So a small world. <laughs> uh, PSAs went on to be mega huge now, man. I mean, uh, it's like incredible. They could drive everybody crazy. I just got back into investing into cards couple of years ago for no reason at all. 
and uh, the amount of the turnaround time to get stuff back right now, they're just inundated with millions and millions of cards just sitting <laughs> I don't, there. I don't think they can handle the, the business they have, right? The profile they have? They, of, they can't. No. They can't. The grading of the cards, et cetera. Yep. Hey, you're bringing back a lot of memories. I'll, I'll remind you, uh, uh, I was, so because of Steve, I had these indirect connections to everyone, including Kobe, Kobe Bryant's cousin, um, worked for my my first wife as a paralegal, and then I met Kobe because of Steve because he had signing a basketball, and I ran a hedge fund in Santa Monica, so Kobe would be across the street at the Miramar, and I'd hold all the balls for Kobe while he wrote Kobe 8, Kobe 8, Kobe That's 8. Yeah. yeah, and then one day Michael Jordan said to Kobe, hey, listen, everyone knows your number. Remember, he's just Kobe 8, he, whatever. So my point here is, is that I watched all this evolve over a period of time, uh, the card industry. So I, I'm pretty fascinated with how you transitioned from cards to Magic to Hulk Hogan to Charlie Sheen. Uh, it, it's a, I, I get a, very confused. I think the average person gets confused because there's different kinds of agents for different kinds of deals. So do you rec- represent them? From a promotional standpoint, or you're their actual agent in terms of record? Uh, yeah, we're their, their, we, their agent for the marketing. Yeah, all the marketing opportunities is what we handle. I mean, just I just closed a big commercial campaign for Chevy Chase with Raising Canes. It's going to be out during Christmas for a Christmas vacation promotion. Ric Flair has his Mount Everest uh, male energy enhancement pill. Farman Electra's got her own um, hair supplement uh vitamin product now that's coming out um i mean it's it's just non-stop man we've been very blessed matchup with all the keynotes that you know constantly are coming up and uh again no formal education taught on any of this i know it's a world nowadays where it's more believable you know but when it happened back then without the internet it was just you know hard work determination honesty you make a mistake you, you apologize for making the mistake one time and you never make it again so you when know, when about- when when Magic did the keynote at 10X with Grant Cardone in Vegas, were you the guy that organized that or did someone I else? I was, yeah, I was there. I know, I deal, no, I know Jared and everybody at the team. Yeah, for sure. I know Grant and Jared too. <clears throat> I was just there for a session group with him on May 27th uh, for Marcus. Uh, no, uh, yeah, May 27th. And then four days late, we were in uh, June 1st in San Antonio for Cayo Serra. You do a lot with Grant or no? Yeah, we do. We've done a bunch of stuff. And Jared Elliott's my boy. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get some people into the next conference, which will probably be March of next year, I guess. It seems like it's every March, the big one. Did you see the conference we had? Mike Mike Searock spoke there. I saw I, – I, I would have loved to know about it in advance. I would have been there. He, I think uh, when you guys contacted me and then Todd kind of looped me in, I was like, oh, my, I literally just missed this thing by a week. Yeah, we we uh we ended up having A Rod there, uh Damon John, uh C Rock, uh Ch- Charles Payne, Anthony Scaramucci. It was a fun it was a fun conference. I was really actually probably one of the funner things I think I've ever done. And we're gonna do That's another great. we're gonna do another one. We own a hotel in New York. It's opening in September. The most ex- well, the most exclusive probably built hotel in Ever it's La Fouquette, the first time out of France and Monaco. They've been in North America. I just got uh, back from Monaco. La Fouquette Tribeca, and uh, we're going to have a invitation only uh, 
uh, night uh, in New York, and then we're going to have every year a Risk On conference in Vegas where you can pay to come or be a guest. Um, but what are, what are some of the favorite things you're doing in marketing now? Like, what do you what do you what do you do now? You talk about people who call you and want to be interns, except, and your story is, uh, from what I've been able to decipher, it reminds me a little bit of the Immaculate Conception. It just happens. You can't really tell people how it happens. It just happens over yeah. time, right? And yeah. people want to, they, the old way was you went to school, you did the following, you got the following, you worked your way up, and then it became something over time. But your way is really that you are the paver of a new way, which is now <laughs> the way it's done, but wasn't yes. the new way when it was the way you did it, right? Yeah. So and it's it, a head scratcher and still is to so many people being on 52. Right. So we're the exact same age. And when I was in 1989, I wanted to run a hedge fund. It took me years to figure out how to be able to do that. And no, And everyone says, well, how did you do it? I'm like, it just did it. It just, you just did it. And I don't have all the formal proper education, but I definitely got the education I needed by yeah. reading and, in, and indoctrinating myself on how to do it. But what are you doing now? And what do you tell people that want to be in your space, how to do what you're doing? You know, I, I, I think back in the probably eighties or nineties, the, the thing that made the most sense was try to get a job in the mailroom at one of the big agencies. That was obvious and just try to move up the ladder. But I, I think now, you know, with social media, it's no different when somebody's like, how do I get you to mentor me? Or how do I, you know, get, you know, in touch with some celebrity? I mean, it's, you just have to be assertive and put yourself out there and be fearless and just be around, uh, you know, individuals when you're of a young age that inspire you, that you look up to and just keep pushing. As you know, in any sort of sales, when you're trying to sell yourself and there's going to be a lot of rejection until you get that one that believes in you. I mean, for no reason outside the fact that I had a two-year relationship with Magic Johnson from fucking, I mean, I'm going to say silly, but in his world, there's silly fun autograph signings. You're not making tens of millions of dollars. You know, you're making fans happy. And I was just myself. And uh, same sort of thing with Muhammad Ali and his wife, Lonnie, and Joe Frazier and his son, Marvis. And um, I care, most importantly. Not that others don't, but my dad, may he rest in peace, you know, always taught me this personal side of relationships, especially in my line of work, meant everything. That everybody wants something from celebrities, especially the, the biggest ones. And you know, always think you're in a very unique position uh, to really build lifelong trust and friendship. And if you really make it about that friendship first, and not about that money, um, money's going to come. That's going to be easy because anybody can make, you know, these iconic figures money. And that I mean, I think to this day, um, I was just texting Carmen Electra right before this. Uh, she lost her puppy. I bought her a puppy. She's over the moon right now. I'm going to see the puppy on Saturday. Every Thanksgiving, Todd, first two texts religiously. I usually get it from Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, I think everything that's probably has not changed is relationship building, right? You know, and I think that's so overlooked, like, I do have a, a new book coming out next week that I, I talk about this, a, a chapter that I wrote that the littlest things that people forget, you know, find, find out what the associate you're dealing with, find out about their birthday, their family, their, their parents, where they grew up, their favorite sport or movie or food to eat. Like, I think those things are so important. And um, 
now sometimes it's just so much focused about the money and they overlook the relationship because people deal with who they want to deal with because they like those people. Yeah, I have a, a an acronym called Risk On. The show's called Risk On. The conference is called Risk On. And the R in Risk On, the very first word uh, in Risk On, the R stands for relationships. It's the basis of how I've gotten everything I've ever done, how I've raised more than $500 million the last couple of years, how the business has grown to where it is. Um, when I got the notes about interviewing you, one of the things they talked about was sobriety. And my, my issue with this, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, is that everyone that I know, and this, it's, trust me, I'm, I know lots of people. I've had an assistant who, was, who had a sobriety issue, and she's incredibly proud of how she's been, uh, I think, five or six years uh, sober and, and not, you know, she had a drug, a drug problem. And she's now a, a new real estate agent. She's successful. She, she served, she actually, things got pretty bad for her when she was younger and she had to serve a little time. But she became my assistant. She did an incredible job and she had, live, had to live a structured scenario here um, for her. And I guess my question is, is that you're, you're helping other people stay sober or in sobriety. But isn't there a point in time where that's not how you identify what's happened for you? Because you're a pretty successful guy who made it, you made it despite all those issues. And so I wonder like how much, like I don't, I wouldn't even know to even discuss sobriety with you if I didn't have, I only know you as a successful guy of what I know. And who, no one's told me like, here's Darren Prince. He's a, he's sober. They say he's a kick-ass marketing guy who's done great things with all these celebrities, right? So I'm wondering for you, do you identify yourself as someone that had to overcome that? Or do you identify yourself as someone who's super successful at what they've done, despite you said earlier, no formal education in the process? Because both are amazing. But I'm wondering, like, do, 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 do you – for anybody out there who's trying to do something and they maybe have something that they're – bothered with that they had to deal with you've clearly dealt with it well you know it, it's interesting because i've been on so many podcasts and talk shows and jay shetty's a dear friend when i did his podcast you know he you know he was mesmerized that my story was i was verbally teased for having a learning disability put in very small classrooms as a teenager eight years old nine years old ten years old felt very awkward uncomfortable in my own skin so when I had this sort of Rain Man brain when it came to baseball cards and kind of following the trends, that was the one that made me feel good about myself because I wasn't a good student. And that same summer that I uh, was about to start the baseball card business, I was at sleepaway camp, Todd, and I had bad stomach pains. And the nurse gave me some green liquid that was just disgusting. And here I am, this awkward, uncomfortable, you would think from the outside, I'm fine, great mom and dad and sister. Uh, I just never felt like I fit in. She gave me this green liquid and I'm walking across the softball field back to the bunk and my whole life changed forever. I had no idea what it was, but all those inadequacies, I actually felt smart. Not only did I feel smart, I felt superior and just as good, if not better than everybody else. I had personality, I had swagger now and not really, again, having no idea what the heck I just took. I loved it. And for three straight weeks, I went to the infirmary complaining about stomach pains the night before I went to bed because I wanted whatever this green liquid was and found out when my mom and dad came up with a visitation day was liquid Demerol. And um, 
I, I was hooked at that point. I knew that whatever I could put in my body um, to affect me from the neck up, I, I, I needed. And especially whatever that green liquid was. And, uh, you know, we couldn't really find Demerol at 14 years old. But when I came back uh, from sleepaway camp and I did my first baseball card show at 14, I made over $1,000 in cash. My mindset is almost looking back at the people that made fun of me to be like, look at me and look at you. And by the time I was 16, making $300,000 a year selling baseball cards in 1986, looking at the same people making fun of me, I'm making more money than your parents are. How you like me now? Because the reason I'm so passionate about speaking all over the country about recovery and self-worth and self-esteem is because I got so wrapped up, Todd, in the success and the money that I didn't have a chance to tap into whatever those traumatic situations were for me that altered my thought process that everything was about the money, the exterior. And I never knew how to deal with the interior. So like Jay said, I got to the top, but I was still looking backwards at all those people making fun of me. Eight years old, nine years old, 10 year olds, every one of them that wanted to be part of my world now because I'm hanging and traveling with the biggest stars in the world. So I know most people listening to the podcast, you know, are going to love the stories about the celebrity life and, you know, marketing deals and multi-million dollar transactions. But to me, my real success came on July 2nd, 2008, when I found recovery. Because what I thought was the end of my life finally actually turned out to be a brand new beginning. And then the real work got done to find self-love. And that's why my life is about service now. You know, I, I, I give whatever I can of myself, uh, you know, selflessly to, to, to help whoever it is, whenever, wherever. Well, what do you think about that, Christy? <laughs> it changes the comments that I made earlier today, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you learn something new every day. I, uh, that was a really good explanation. A good, uh, you did, not that you needed to explain anything, but uh, wow. Um, yeah, you could, there's a lot to unpack right there for sure. Um, so tell us about aiming high. So aiming high came about in 2018. Uh, my dad passed in February, 2017. Um, very unexpectedly. 82 is in perfect health. One of my closest friends in the world, business mentor. Uh, we're in two totally different types of work, but you know, I started getting all these, I call them GMCs, these God-managed coincidences after he passed away. And I got to see him the day before he passed in the hospital. And then they were out of aneurysm and the doctors just couldn't keep him going anymore. And um, I just had this incredible spiritual connection that he got to see his son sober for eight and a half years. What a miracle. What a gift. He saw all the success. He saw the ups and downs in business. He saw me at the top, but nothing made Dad prouder than when he saw me using this gift of recovery. And I, I, I held his hand in the hospital top, which is such a beautiful experience to have. And Hulk Hogan told me to go see him that night and get time by myself with him because he had the same beautiful experience with his dad before he got to say goodbye. And I'm so glad I listened to him. And um, I told him, I said, Dad, from above, I said, say hello to Muhammad and and, and Joe and... Uh, I said, one thing I'm going to do, I know you're super proud about the business success, but your son is going to touch the world. Because to go through something like this, for somebody like me, 
the most uncomfortable time of my life, never feeling so comfortable without a thought about picking up an opiate or a drug. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And I need other people to understand that life truly is about being present and, you know, just taking everything in and knowing that those toughest times in your life are really what creates the greatest breakthroughs. And a few months later, just by chance, I met my publisher, Anna David, on Instagram. I was in LA and I came to meet her and having no idea she was in recovery. And we had a conversation just like you and I are now. And she goes, your story's fascinating. I've ever thought about writing a book. And I was like, you know, my dad wanted me to write a book, but, um, you know, the stories, they're, they, I take them to the grave, their family. Um, he always wanted me to write one about the Muhammad Ali and smoking Joe Frazier epic dinner and reunion that we had in 2002 and sitting center court with them courtside at the NBA All-Star game the next day. And I go, dad, it was private. They never would want me to share those stories. And um, she goes, that's not what I'm saying. We can put something together but we can write about the hell of your addiction for 24 years to the beauty of spiritual recovery while the rest of the world can see what it's like to be a fly on the wall of the super agent life. You will touch and change so many lives around the world. And that was it. And I got goosebumps. I go, that's the angle. And uh, she partnered me up with Krista McGinnis, who wrote a masterpiece. I drove her nuts with all the interviews. And um, I mean, here we are. It's uh, almost four years later, Todd. It just doesn't slow down. The amount of copies we send out. I, I send them out gratis, free. I you know, have my foundation send them out. I don't really care how many. You know, Amazon's always doing reorders, but you know, bookstores are always doing reorders. When you, when you write something that you realize your, your true purpose in life came from your pain, it was never about making money. It was about just writing something to help people understand that you could still be on the top of the mountain and dealing with demons. It doesn't matter if you're from Park Avenue or Park Bench or you went from yeah to jail, that everybody's up for grabs with addiction and mental health. Well, there's no, death, no question about it. I've been seeing the same therapist for 23 years every Saturday. I, don't, I very rarely miss a day. After COVID, I moved away from California to Nevada to Las Vegas, and I see her every Saturday at 10 o'clock by uh, FaceTime. And uh, I tell her all the time, I would have never, I wouldn't even have made it if it wasn't for her. I can- There's no, I love therapy. I think yeah. everybody, you know, it, it's, you know, people don't realize it, it's just so important. I don't care. Like, I remember, I think it was Magic that called me the day after Jay's interview aired. And, and he called me to tell me, him, it was him and Cookie. I think she's watched one of the links. And, you know, because, you know, you talk about, uh, just accountability and like there's just so many people he goes i don't care who you are how much fame fortune status you have in your industry we all have something that we want to work on that we need to work on that we need to take that action that okay. could be a character defects that's hindering our growth it's hindering our manifestation in certain ways it's individuals and environments we're hanging around that are just no good for our energy you know and that's what I get so much more out of recovery. I, it's, it's not even that I think about the drug part anymore. It's about living a better quality of life and knowing I'm still going to make mistakes, but at least let them be better quality mistakes. So let me always work on myself internally to, to match the exterior success that everybody gets so mesmerized by because I care more about the inside. You know, I to say I was a Laker fan since I was four years old is an understatement. When I was at the boys and girls club was the boys club in Fullerton, California. 
Norm Nixon was one of my coaches one year. Came in, thought I said to play basketball. Was obsessed with the Lakers. Kareem and Worthy and Cooper. You, you know what I'm referring to. That's right. Were they two weeks ago? No. Yeah. Um, Great guys. But, but I was pretty obsessed with the Lakers. And then a few things happened with me that I thought to myself kind of burst the bubble a little bit. And um, I remember where I was exactly where I was when Magic Johnson said he had HIV. And I, I'm perfectly fine if you don't want to answer this question. But the thing that crossed my mind was that he was with Cookie forever. And I wondered, did you ever have to or ever, I mean, did you know him back then or ever think about how he dealt with the fact that obviously if he wasn't, he wasn't clearly with her the whole time. And why do you think agent, why do you think sports people get such a pass? I mean, would that happen today versus today people get canceled for stupid reasons. I don't believe in it at all. I don't think it's, it's any of our business to know people's personal lives, but now they sure know it. Right. And they do terrible things about it. Does magic survive the way he has if that happened today? I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of my guys, if you look at social media, things that were like back then and the way some of these stories got picked up, I can't even imagine. But, um, you know, I didn't even know. We didn't start working together until nine, till about 1993. Mm. And, um, you know, I do remember there were some stories that I would read about Lon Rosen, his longtime agent, uh, and, player right back in the days of dear friend. And I remember reading stories about like restaurants that he was beloved in, didn't even want him in the restaurant. Like things like, are you kidding me? Like this guy is like one of the most beloved figures right. and, and to know him as a human being, the real Irvin Johnson. He's everything you think he would be watching him on television and in interviews out in public with his fan. I mean, I, I would just get so irate and irritated about hearing it. And you know, him and I bonded so much over the fact that, you know, he went for his own situation with that and he saw me go through mine. And to, you know, obviously his on a much more massive scale than mine with uh, what he's done around the world with raising funds and raising HIV awareness is just, you know, incredible. I mean, at a time where, didn't we all think it was a death sentence? Yep. I was a diehard Boston Celtic fan, Larry Bird, I've worked with too for about 26 years. And I mean, I despise the Lakers. I remember exactly where I was on November 7th, 1991 and cried my eyes out when I was in my car on the radio. Mm -hmm. It just didn't seem real that this could be happening, you know? Yeah, I know exactly where I was. And I know exactly where I was the day that Kobe said that he had that issue in Colorado and that yeah. Vanessa stood behind him. And then Kobe and, and Shaq got into a little bit of a fight <clears throat> And the Lakers traded Shaq, and I got rid of my tickets and never went to a Laker game again. Um, yeah, I, I've heard that before from Laker fans. Yeah, they they traded him, and I'm like, well, I'm out of here. And I and I've never really been back. I mean, not the same, right? Um, you work with LeBron at all? No. Jerry West is one of my guys. He's like a second father figure. So I hear all the amazing stories from Jerry. Hmm. About the Showtime Lakers and the Kobe Shaq era, right? Is he is he, do you do you uh, miss the card business at all or no? No, not really. I mean, like it's more like I said, it's more of a hobby now. Sometimes investment. Um, you know, I, I kind of try to, you know, 
think things through and read up on certain trends. Um, but what I do now, man, we, we have to dream life. I mean, every, every guy wants to be in a position to, you know, just go to any sporting event or entertainment event that you want and, you know, just uh, be around that, that life. But for us, it, 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 it becomes a job. But when you love what you do, it's really not. I mean, we're still always dealing with, you know, some strong personalities and, uh, you know, their daily problems or issues because they're still human. Um, and things that might be going on in their life. But, you know, it, it honestly, uh, how does the expression go? If you find something you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Absolutely. If, if they weren't all incredible people, um, you know, I mean, Dan Fleischman flew me and Charlie Sheen to Salt Lake City a couple of weeks ago, and they all got to see a Charlie Sheen they never thought they knew. And uh, so I was telling Dan, you got to bring them in for your mastermind event. And uh, he's just blew everybody away. I mean, uh, to see those smiles in that audience and people laughing and, uh, you know, I love that. I love it. I love doing it for charities. Uh, you know, somebody sends in a request for, we get these type of things all the time, a, a video for Hulk or Ric Flair. There's a kid with the disease. I mean, uh, you know, I've been in live venues or at events or conferences. Hey, I, I mean, listen, uh, it, one thing for sure it's uh, it's cool to talk business with you and obviously uh, what you're doing. But what about, you just said earlier you had a new book. Can you tell us about what you're doing in the new book? It's right here. This isn't as much of a memoir, but we actually got the first copy today, Mission Matters. So it's, uh, I think it's a group of about 10 entrepreneurs. Can you, can you hold it up? Uh, can you hold it up just for a, a few more seconds so we can see it? Who's on, who's on the cover with you? Oh, okay, got it. it, it it's uh, the publisher, writer, Adam Torres, who, who already worked his butt off with me to come up with the perfect chapter on uh, relationship building and sort of what we talked about earlier, that, uh, you know, the success is great, but don't let just the external monetary success overtake working on yourself along the journey because they both go hand in hand. And, yeah, I can't, um, I, Darren, I can't help but think to myself, Maybe I shouldn't be looking for magic to speak at the conference. Maybe I should be looking for you to speak at the conference. I, I did about 200 of them, man, in the past three years, and there's never a dry eye in the room. You well, know, I, think that that, I, think that, I think that maybe we, hopefully you would be willing to do that. No, I would love it. It's, uh, I, I was, Fleischman, I told him a week and a half ago, so we were talking, I was like, you know, you're bringing in all my guys and, whatnot and that's great but I, I i can guarantee you have people here that are going home or going out or struggling and everybody wants motivation 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 there's a big big difference um when somebody get there and truly inspire from within and hit a nerve because my inch my speech intro reel probably has i gotta think about it. i've got magic on it i've got hulk rodman rick flair charlie sheen chevy chase all my celebs giving little shout outs about my journey and whatnot. And, you know, it's like, I'll come out, people will watch it, but then I come out as humble me. That's been broken, beaten and reborn again. Um, and I think that's what allows me to identify with other people in the audience to be like, wow, look at what this guy's accomplished. And he's that transparent to talk about the darkest days of his life course to tell you help people yeah it's, 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 to be on mental health 
any sort of addiction nowadays. I don't care what it is, gambling, overeating, emotional eating. I, I mean, there's just so many things that are hurting, you know, ourselves that it's all about progress, not perfection. We're never all going to be perfect people, but why not, you know, start tomorrow and work on these, you know, things that have been holding you back. Well, this wasn't quite the interview I thought that was going to be. I'm glad. Well, I, I got to bring the heat, man, when it comes to this gift of recovery, because yeah. I don't do I don't do any interviews about strictly business. I'll talk all business all day long, but God gave me a gift. And um, when I fell on my knees, Todd, on July second, two thousand eight, my apartment in New York City, with all the money, biggest stars in the world, and I screamed out to him at the last myopic to my hand, "Take the money, take the power, take the notoriety. I need a single day of freedom to feel like a little kid again." And if you do that, I will spend one day, the rest of my life, every day, taking others out of hell with me. And I had a lightning bolt moment. I literally had a white light moment in that bathroom where my right shoulder caught fire and blast my opiates. I flushed them down the toilet. And it wasn't me. He rose me to my feet and I heard a voice that got you in ready. And if Hulk Holcomb was on with us right now, he would tell you, because he knew me before that too. He's like, now what happened, brother? You asked God for the blessing and he touched you and said, now you're going to become a blessing to everybody you need because I need you as much as you need me. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm blown away. I am. Um, so how do, how do people, uh, besides aiming high in the new book, is there a way for them to follow you or I, I got uh, Instagram at agent underscore dp um a-g-e-n-t underscore dp um i'm on facebook darren prince i think it's brentwood uh california um aiming high foundation.org is my 501c3 we donate all the proceeds to get people scholarship to go into treatment that can't afford it i also have my own uh toll-free number at banning treatment centers that provides treatments for people that can't afford it. Believe me, man, you've got listeners here right now that thought they were going to hear a lot of great stuff about the sports and entertainment industry. And hopefully they did, but they didn't expect this. So if somebody's got that, that moment of clarity right now, that there's hope and recovery and a solution um, to get the life that you deserve. And then um, I've got a uh, Prince marketing group.com for your huge, massive entrepreneur audience. Uh, that want to find out, you know, who we represent, what we're up to and what's going on and how to hire celebrities and work with uh, any celebrity you're thinking of. Yeah, I literally just followed you online. I just did it a minute ago. Did I you mean, see my Chevy Chase? Uh, I, I, I literally, I can see it right now. This is great. I, I filmed that. I was with my girlfriend, Nicolette, last week. We were, in Mont we were in France, Italy, and London, and I was with Chevy Chase out there four years ago for a huge theater show that he sold out, and we actually drove past the roundabout of Big Ben in the Parliament, and he was too stubborn to get out of the car because it was raining. I go, Chevy, when was the last time we were here? Because when we filmed European Vacation, I was like, it's one of the most iconic scenes in European Vacation. I can't get left. Big Ben in the parliament. He goes, I'm not getting out. So I texted him when I was there last week. I go, I'm heading over there right now. It's a beautiful summer day and I'm going to get us a really cool video. And he loved it. My dear friend, I'm almost 
30 yard Chevy Chase, a.k.a. Clark Driscoll, and Stafford D'Angelo, a.k.a. Ellen Driscoll. It was almost 40 years ago in your early vacation. You guys struggled to get left at Big Ben and the Parliament. But I got good news. Today, I just did. What's the connection with David Meltzer? Uh, Dave's my spiritual brother. We, uh, we're both Charger fans. I brought him around. I uh, made one of his final bucket lists happen about three years ago, I would say. I took him to Lakewood Church to meet Joel Olstein. My oh. aiming high came out. No I way. Met, no way. Yeah. I, I literally was just talking about Joel all weekend because we, um, you know, I have three full time indie cars. I run yeah. them uh, in 17 races. I run two cars. Wow. And then and the ovals, I run three cars with Ed Carpenter Racing. And uh, I, I, I've been following Joel forever, Lakewood, uh, my, since I was with my wife, 20 years. Oh, Come sorry. on. Do you, ever get out, do you ever get out to Houston? No, I've never been out there, but I, fall, I, you know, I watch him all the time. And, and, uh, and you, what, yeah, I mean, especially as a therapy guy, I mean, there's nobody better. His messages are just so powerful. I, uh, he usually comes out to Anaheim. Whenever that happens for a night of hope, I'll make sure I hook it up so you and your wife can go and meet him and Victoria. Yeah. They're just amazing people. And I was always a fan. And when my book came out, Aiming High, again, it was one of those GMCs, God Managed Coincidences. I was doing Good Day New York. Uh, was my second press drunk the night before I did Chris Cuomo. And my publicist called and said, I need you at the studio an hour early. I said, Jules, there's no way on a long ass day like this, I'm getting there an hour early. He goes, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but you're going to want to be there an hour early. I was like, are you got to tell me? Because Joel Olstein's on promoting his book right before you. And I was like, holy crap. So I made it happen, got to meet him. Uh, we became very friendly. Him and Hulk actually went way back to a but Hulk with me and Dave Meltzer. And we we went, you know, in the back and had a bite to eat with Joel and Victoria. And then, you know, Dave and I were just laughing like two little kids because he's like, man, in our world, you know, they experience once in a lifetime stuff every day. So you just get used to it. It doesn't mean anything But Joel Olstein. So we nicknamed ourselves Jews for Joel. And I named it. Joel meets we're Joel meets <laughs> I literally just played for my because I I have anywhere from like 30 to 200 people at every indie race and I just played this hold on a second they're just a joke don't be offended I heard about this man he was sitting in a dark restaurant and he said to the lady sitting next to him would you like to hear a blonde joke she said well before you tell me you should know that I'm blonde six foot tall and a professional bodybuilder the lady next to me is blonde, six foot two, and a professional wrestler. And the lady next to her is blonde, six foot five, and the kickboxing champion of the world. Now, do you still want to tell me? He thought about it a moment, said, no, not if I'm going to have to explain it three times. <laughs> my, my point was about Joel was he's the only guy I've ever seen that can tell a clean joke every time. And it's yeah. always funny, always funny, always funny. Um, and his speaking is masterful. When you see him at uh, Lakewood especially, I mean, I'm sure it's at all the other night of hopes. They have a massive one at uh, Yankee Stadium coming up. But it is – Magic's a huge fan too. I know Cookie's been to Lakewood. When you watch him live, it is like 
it's you're speechless because he he so rarely even has to go back to the podium outside for that one page turner about 30 40 minutes in and victoria told me their secret is typically they take i believe it was every monday and two off to basically do nothing and that actually gives them both the ability to recharge and then he works on writing the next uh story and whatever he's got to do for the following weekend yeah, John Stewart, who uh, John Stewart, who who does the, the indie marketing for us and runs our program, dated his uh, Joel's sister. And uh, uh, when I was uh, when I was twenty years ago or so, when I started marketing some stuff, you know, I worked on Wall Street for thirty three years, and there's moments in time where you lose track of yourself. Um, yeah, I got plenty of 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 my own bullshit that I put myself through and my family through. Um, but I discovered Joel and a, a friend of mine who was a really big PR person back in New York. Uh, when I told her that I, I just I just followed Joel, she used to say Joel seen in the house, and it was like become a big deal. And so, uh, for some reason, I always am able to t- tune in. My wife would always say, "Like, how do you know when Joel's on?" I said, "I just I don't know how he's on. I just know that I turn him on, and there he is." Um, and that I will blow, that. yeah, that blows a lot of people away with me because they know that I'm not really a religious guy; I'm a spiritual guy. But for it's some reason, I'm the same. I'm the same. But for some reason, Joel Osteen just makes sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether he reminds me of my uncle Mike, who was a pastor at Melody Land Church in um, in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Who he Joel just comes across as someone that legitimately isn't judging you. That he's mm-hmm. not there to judge you or tell you. You're bad or good, right or wrong. Whereas I grew up Greek Orthodox, and there was a lot of judgment of who you were and how you should be. Uh, and maybe he does do that, but I've never seen it. Um, it it's almost like a universal acceptance uh, in whatever he thinks about you. He keeps to himself because he's sending a message of you can be who you want to be, and, and you can get there a lot easier by living uh, the teaching of Christ. And the point, the point being is that even if you're not a Christian, you can't argue that Jesus is trying to teach people a way of behaving amongst others, right? I mean, really, really, if you followed it, even if you didn't believe it, if you just followed some yep. of the basics, things yep. would be a lot easier, right? I mean, a lot easier. But uh, yes. humans don't want to do things that are simple. Um, no. Complicate everything, right? Um, I'd love to follow back up with you. Obviously, uh, I wasn't prepared for the way you would deliver how um, sobriety and what has happened for you uh, has affected you. And so, I have to admit, it's affected me a little bit. I, I really wish I would have uh, uh, spent more time on it. I didn't realize how powerful it was for you. Um, but the way you say it, the way you say it uh, matters. Um, and so I hope when you're when when's the new book book going to be published? Uh, it gets released on Monday. This Monday. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll make it available for people and uh, let us give out like uh, what do you say, Christy? Where where do we get uh where do we get a hundred copies? The, you- the the link will be live on Monday on Amazon. I can I could have one of my PAs send it to Christy when it when it goes. Okay, for sure. So we're gonna give out if you're watching this and you email. Randy at Alt Alliance, Randy at Alt Alliance, and you see this, the first 100 people that email Randy after they watch this, we're going to give you a, a copy of his book. 
Um, wow. Darren, Darren, I appreciate it. Obviously, we'll be in touch. Uh, thanks for spending an hour with us. Uh, I apologize we uh, had to cancel before. If, if to say that yours and mine's schedule is not busy is an understatement, um, <laughs> for sure. Look, man, we got, like, we got in, like I said, we're going to help motivate some people. We're going to help inspire people when this goes live. And most importantly, we're going to save and change some lives that you and I don't even know about. So, Darren, I appreciate it. I, I would love to do a follow-up interview with you. I'm going to do a little bit more work, and Christy will be sure. in touch. And those of you who are watching right now, uh, I'm buying 100 of Darren's books, and I'm going to give them out to the first 100 people that watch the show on that day. So the, this, the day this premieres will be uh, probably in a week or so, week and a half, and we'll make sure that Darren's book is available for you guys. And we're going to give it out. We're going to pay for shipping. You don't have to do anything. It's truly free. Uh, we'll make that happen for you. Darren, thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, my friend. Be well. No, I'm going to you real quick. Reason for it. So, so I did get that right. I did get that yeah, right. You got it right.